Ladies, gentlemen, and especially the ladies, welcome to our nicest episode yet, episode 69 of the Diamond Duo Podcast. Start spreading it. Oh, we sure will be spreading it, if by it you mean the latest and greatest baseball news that will make you want to go balls deep inside the wide open hole that is Major League Baseball's vast landscape of rumors and stories. Oh, that's downloaded and in my phone already, my friend. I'm sure those rumors are. My name is Tom Bauer, and along with my co-producer and co-host, Tony Puglisi, we want to make you choke. No, no. We just want you to be pumping and pumping and pumping your fist along in anticipation and celebration to one of Major League Baseball's most upcoming treasured moments of the season, the trade deadline. In this episode, we'll talk about some guys who got a monster stick and will probably use their sticks somewhere else to provide a spark to another team's offense. We'll also talk about the guys who just want to pull out of their current team's losing ways and wish to give all they got to their suitors sitting right around the corner. Of course, not all trades are created equal, and we'll have some fans saying, I can't wait for him to blow it up for me right in my face, as their favorite team's GM goes out on a date looking for love in the form of a star player. But inevitably, like Brian Cashman at seemingly every deadline, we'll also leave fans saying, He whines and dines everybody before he completely f***s them. Them being the hopes and dreams of a World Series. We're also going to talk long and hard about Dick Monford's Colorado Rockies in only this part of the episode. Because as Rockies fans know all too well, they went to Poundtown and were f***ing you out of every single ounce of satisfaction you need on a daily basis. Anyway, this intro has been going on long enough. And you're probably asking us, I mean, are you going to give it to me? It being episode 69 of the Diamond Duel Podcast. Well, it's time to get it on. This episode will have you screaming out loud. Want more. And may even leave you. (sighs) Yes, that. So without further ado, we just got to stop talking about the f***ing and actually talk about some baseball. <laughs> Tony, you must admit I made magic to that intro. <laughs> Just for, for full disclosure, that's clapping. That's, that is clapping. That's not another sound effect from Tom. Oh, I can play that. I want Yo, you, you might not to know. I guarantee you I won't be able to hear it because technology hates us tonight, but that's another story. I want you to know. <laughs> Before you came back with your normal voice, I was ready. I was trying to improv something with the, oh, yeah, voice. But then you brought it right back to, oh, let's talk about baseball. So it's like, oh, now it's going to be weird if I fish it back. Again, full disclosure, this dude did not give away anything about this intro. He just, he's being coy the whole day. Like, oh, dude, you're not going to believe this. I got the best intro. You're not ready for this. I'm like, all right, I I get it. It's episode 69. You're going to hype it up. Come on, show up. Put your money where your mouth is. I'm going to give you that. That. If we don't win a f***ing award for that, I don't know if we ever will. 
I don't know. What do podcasts win? Do they do, do, do we do they win Emmys, ESPYs? We win something. Maybe they win Marconi's. Who knows? Marconi's, perfect. Oh, best former college podcast. The the opening two minutes of episode sixty nine. <laughs> oh, this episode and that intro can go on any college station, and we'll get immediately uh, the license taken away by said college station because of that if sensual no intro. <laughs> If they have no taste, then maybe it'll get taken off. <laughs> I guess if it's after 10 o'clock, just like when we're recording, then I guess it's okay, because that's after Safe Harbor. God, it's after 11. We are well past Safe Harbor. <laughs> but no, I, I'm still not over. You you orchestrated a perfect chorus of old bloopers, some of which I forgot existed. <laughs> <laughs> If I knew this, I would have had my bloopers pulled. Granted, you wouldn't be able to hear it probably because, again, I must reiterate, the technology absolutely hates us tonight. It does. I, let's say there's a reason we're recording at 11 at night, folks. By the way, hi, I'm Tony. I'm the guy who didn't <laughs> cook up a two-minute-long intro today. And I hate to tell you, I did not cook up an outro. So if it's two minutes long, which oh. maybe it shouldn't be, but... You know what? I did say I was improving something for the intro. Maybe I'll just save that. I'll save that for the outro. You know, you didn't get enough at first, so you go back for seconds. I, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna, stop. I'm just gonna stop. I Don't, can hear the blooper. No, 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 head already. no, 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 no. This is episode 69. If you want to use the sexy voice, you do so. I'll even throw careless whisper under it. You won't be able to hear it because technology is a f***ing bitch, but... At the very least, it will be playing in the recording. Hey, that's all that matters. You know what? Last time we got the soundboard working for us, but not them. Now we have it working for them, but not us. And let's yes, one be purchase real. later. That's, uh, you know, I was going to say, that is probably a little more <laughs> convenient for the final product. So you know what? We'll take a week and get. Hopefully next week we'll put it all together. <laughs> I will talk more about that in a second. But Tony, I'm just saying, you better drum up an outro. Because we're going to go through so much penetration in this episode alone that you're going to have to... <laughs> that, that's not even an innuendo. You're just saying <laughs> I know, things. I know. No, I was going to take it to a whole nother level. This is episode 69 after all. And I am going full out for this one, by the way. If you couldn't tell oh, by God. that intro alone. Which, by the way, took me two hours to draft and compose and practice. So I hope you enjoyed it for those you three minutes worth of entertainment. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I'm just imagining you at work in a studio saying that to yourself, and you get a call from your producer. Hey, Tom, uh, Mike's hot. <laughs> you immediately get a call from, like, the president of your company. It's like, what the f*** are you doing? <laughs> they would have appreciated it. I, uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, minus the swearing going on in some of those clips. Uh, speaking of which, though. We do have new capabilities here on the Diamond Duo podcast to play some sound bites, as we have mentioned already. So that's going to give us a whole new dimension to the podcast. We can even play sound off of the app formerly known as Twitter, a.k.a. X, which fits in with episode 69 if you add two more X's to that. Uh, we could do that <laughs> later on if we wanted to. Probably not tonight because this was supposed to be a big surprise to Tony. It was all going to work and be happy doodly dandy. But it's not. It's working partially. But at the very least, it's working a little bit. And I do have plenty more drops that are just ready at the helm if we absolutely wanted to, Tony. So just know that I might be playing some drops throughout. Hopefully you'll be able to hear them randomly. But we shall see. That's just the new capabilities that we will have on the podcast if we can get it all to work properly. Hell yeah. The caveat of me not hearing it 
probably sucks, and I'm going to try and work sometime this week if I've got time to give me the capabilities to play them, because that would be fun. Maybe then Tom's computer won't be as big of a bitch as mine, and yeah! it'll actually allow him to hear it. But again, I, I'm pretty... Did you just play something? Hold on. Yeah, I did. I'll play it again. Yeah! That was a sync to yeah. I can't even make that out. F- I hate computers. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, either way, we'll we'll work it out totally. But you know what? You guys can hear it. That's the only... <laughs> you guys will be in on a joke that I don't get. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> God, that, that all being said, hopefully we'll piece together a full puzzle sometime in the coming weeks. But until then, we've got episode 69 to delve nice and deep into. And before we do, let's get some disclaimers out of the way. We're recording on Monday. July the 24th of 2023. It is currently 11.06 in the PM, as we hinted at earlier. Yeah, we're well past Safe Harbor, so... Oh, yeah. Episode 69, coupled with that, you gotta imagine. (laughs) Uh, The innuendos may be flying high. Can't promise anything. They're gonna fly high, and they're gonna come at you real quick. Tom can promise things. I don't know if I can promise things. Let's see how clever I'm feeling tonight. But yeah, anything that happens after this won't be covered. You get the deal. Also, go follow us on the social medias. Go follow us on X at Diamond Duo Pod. I can't say <laughs> That's that. It's stupid. So I'm stupid. sorry. It's so <laughs> stupid. But at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter, the Diamond Duo Podcast on Instagram. Ironically enough. I just got a notification that somebody named Joyce started following us on Instagram at the very moment you were bringing that up. So that was very ironic, and I'm not even hey. bullshit about that. Thank you. I, I guess you heard me from somewhere. Appreciate that. Yeah, be, be like Joyce. Go give us a follow, please. <laughs> yeah, please go. Uh, uh, Please go. I can't speak today. Good English. Please, Yeah, please be like Joyce and be clairvoyant as to when I'm advertising us on social media. But yeah, I think that's everything in terms of disclaimers to get out of the way, Tom. You want to jump right into this? Yeah, absolutely. Let's get it on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I somehow I was ready for that. I don't know how. <laughs> God oh, damn it. Oh boy. I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to throw this out there too because I saved this as a drop. To anyone listening to this show for the first time, I truly do apologize. Yeah, that was from like episode <laughs> 5 of the podcast. <laughs> But it comes to be relevant now. Let's get right into the episode. We don't have too much in the way of major headlines, really just two stories. First and foremost being the Hall of Fame induction happening recently, happened this past Sunday, the 23rd. And as we discussed uh, a good number of episodes ago, actually, don't mind that voice crack, it didn't happen. Uh, (laughs) Only two men are being enshrined in Cooperstown this year, those being Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff. Rowland got in due to the regular voting committee. He reached the required 75%. I think it was his fourth or fifth year on the ballot. Go listen to episode like 50 something. If you want to know the exact details, we talk about it far more in depth then. And Fred McGriff Mm -hmm. was a veterans committee choice. So good for them. Both definitely deserved it. Again, we went way, way more into depth back when, but congrats to both of them. Now, present day Hall of Famers. Yeah, I will give a congrats to both of them, and Tony probably won't be able to hear it because technology is a piece of crap at the moment, as exclaimed by this soundbite. Yes, the Microsoft XP uh, little boink. Uh, But I'm going to put in a round of applause because Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff, congratulations! You're Hall of Famers now! Yay! Now, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. 
Tony does not have an actual soundboard that can record into his mic, but I would like the record to show he played the applause effect on Discord. So that is good <laughs> enough for me. Uh, I'm, I'm happy he's that much dedicated that he's doing that. But at any rate, the public, unfortunately, is not on Scott and Fred's side, but most of the public, I would like to say, do not want them in the Hall of Fame because they don't believe they're worthy Hall of Famers. And to a sense, I agree. Roland, of course, coming in with about 70 war or so, eight gold gloves, just over 2,000 hits and like 300 some odd home runs. He's an analytical darling, and that's again what the game has become, uh, as I talked about in episode 50, and Fred McGriff just shy of 500 home runs and blah, 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 blah. I could give you a baseball reference stat line, but that doesn't really matter. The public doesn't think they see fit because they don't stand up to the greats such as Harold Baines, or who else is a lowly Hall of Famer? Hmm. Rabbit Moranville. Yes, Rabbit Moranville. I don't know who Rabbit is, but uh, <laughs> yeah. The public didn't want them in. We both would have put them in, though, on our ballots. Congratulations to them. They do deserve it. Um, again, uh, Fred by the Veterans Committee. Scott Rowland got inducted via the normal method of you need 75% of the vote. And as we look ahead next year, we've actually got some notable newcomers. Adrian Beltre, Adrian Gonzalez, Joe Maurer, Chase Utley, and David Wright are your headliners out of those newcomers. Returning our guys such as Carlos Beltran, Todd Todd, and then Helton, because Tony put a comma between Todd and Helton, so I guess there's two separate people, uh, Andrew Jones, <laughs> Billy Wagner, Manny Ramirez, and Alex Rodriguez, just to name a few. I mean, just initial impressions, Tony. You don't have to say exactly who do you think is going to make it, but do you think there's going to be a chance that somebody, at least one person, is going to be indicted? Uh, indicted, inducted next year uh, based on these names alone. Just based on the name value and uh, spoiler alert, again, I'm not going to name any names quite yet, but I did pull up the results from this past year of voting. I think we could see as many as two or three enshrined next year. I feel like one is a surefire given, one is on a very good trajectory to get there, and one's a little more of a long shot, but with enough of a last minute push could absolutely make it in. Anyone else would be kind of a long shot, but I think every single guy I wrote on this rundown has at least some case of getting in. Some case. No offense, Mark Burley, but I don't, uh, I don't know how much longer you're going to last on the ballot, man. You were a great pitcher, but yeah, I don't know if that's Hall of Fame worthy. Are you trying to say he doesn't have the stamina to keep on going? Stamina. <laughs> <laughs> God, I gotta start keeping up if you're gonna keep making jokes like this the whole time. Yeah, please do. Um, you gotta keep up with the pace that we're kind of going at right now. Kind of ruining the moment right now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was, uh... I... <laughs> that wouldn't have even made sense. Never mind. I was gonna make a finish early joke. Um, <laughs> Let's just say two or three. Two or three is my guess for next year. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you going to go with finish early in that? I'm curious. No, now I need to know your train of thought. <laughs> because I was going to make a joke about, you know, how David Wright's Hall of Fame case is entirely predicated on, oh, if he kept going, if his career lasted another five or so years, he would have been sure fire, but he yeah. finished early. And he, he's not going to get in now. Stupid, but... <laughs> Well, unlike David Wright, some of these names that will be added are just going to be quickie book goodies, and they're going to be taken off the ballot pretty quickly. It's good that they will, we'll be able to look back on them, but it, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be off the ballot pretty quickly. Please continue. I'm sorry to interrupt you with all the sex talk. I mean, that was pretty much it, unless we want to start naming some names, because I've got, in terms of who I think is going to get in next year, if you want me to just jump there, because... 
Like, right out the gate, Adrian Beltre gets in. I know, I know we've talked about him on the show before. He is an all-time great third baseman, one of my favorite players of all time. I could devote an entire episode to him and talk him up. He's a surefire. He's absolutely getting in. I think Todd Helton is a pretty good chance of getting in. I actually forgot how much of the vote he finished with last year. He actually got 72.2%. He was only short a couple votes. So you flip a couple guys to his side and he's absolutely in there. He's got 500 more hits than Scott Rowland. A couple more ticks up on the OPS. He's actually got 100 higher... Uh, his OPS is 100 points higher than Scott Rowland. Uh, he's got him beating pretty much every counting stat except for steals. He should get in. And Billy Wagner is that long shot guy I kind of mentioned. He's at 68.1, but he's also in his eighth year. Guys who have typically trended upward, who have kind of hit this plateau, get that last minute push if they're widely liked by uh, the BBWAA. Just look at Larry Walker. I feel like he could get in next year, but the more likely scenario is he gets in the year after in his 10th and final season. Yeah, I'm just going to do the exact same name and same thing and pretty much say Adrian Beltre is should is a surefire Hall of Famer next year unless God forbid something terrible comes out about Adrian Beltre that'll nuke his case immediately. Homer Visco. Billy Wagner, I think, will get that push considering the names. I mean Adrian Gonzalez, Joe Mauer, Chase Utley, and David Wright, no offense. Realistically, maybe two of those four names that I mentioned could potentially be Hall of Famers. Uh that in Mauer and Utley. Uh David Wright, great career. Loved him growing up, but he didn't have the longevity, and Adrian Gonzalez just doesn't have the numbers to back it up. Beltron, eh, eh, maybe in the future. Todd Helton got a pretty good boost. Andrew Jones got a good boost, so maybe they get pushed in. Beltre and Wagner are probably your two Hall of Famers looking at next year, unless I'm thinking of the wrong numbers for Helton and Jones. So at least one, if not two, going in next year is pretty much the dilemma that the voters of Cooperstown will have. And then, of course, there's the Veterans Committees, but we don't really know the names yet because I believe they have to be nominated later on whenever they uh, reconvene. So, that being said, that's all the Hall of Fame talk. More in the winter when that whole process comes out. And we'll do the fun game of going through the entire ballot and saying yes, no, yes, no to every single person on the ballot. Now we move toward the trade deadline, stuff that's actually happening at this very moment. There's been three minor deals that have already gone down in Major League Baseball that we will hit upon. Technically four, because... Eh, yeah, technically four. We just <laughs> didn't write one down because we don't give a f what happens between the Cardinals and the Blue Jays because inevitably who gives a sh We do care about what happens between the Baltimore Orioles and the Oakland Athletics, though. So we'll start there with Shintaro Fujinami going to the Baltimore Orioles for Oakland's left-handed pitcher Easton Lucas, a person that you and I have now heard for the first time. Uh, Fujinami, though, was an off-season acquisition for the Oakland A's, if you don't remember. That has panned out for them just as well as the Oakland A's can fill up seats in their current stadium. So, that if that's not a good enough analogy for you, then uh, I don't know what to say. And if you don't know what that analogy is, you are... Uncultured swine. You sure are an uncultured swine. Uh, so yeah, but Fujinami though has been pitching out of the bullpen lately. He was a starter and he's actually been doing pretty good as of late. So maybe Baltimore can harness some, uh, Fujinami power and, uh, they'll be able to get something good out of him. What do you think? I honestly really like this deal for Baltimore because they basically gave up nothing to get him. No offense, Easton Lucas, but you're going to be buried in the hell on earth called Oakland. I really hope you could be something, Oof. but, uh... <sighs> 
We'll see. Shintaro Fujinami's got some really interesting underlying numbers, because on the surface, you see the ERA over 8, the war at like minus 2, and the average exit velo in the 4th percentile of Major League Baseball, and you think, yuck, gross, why would Baltimore do this? Well, he's got a well above average whiff rate. He just can't put batters away. His strikeout percentage is really low, but he misses bats. It's kind of a paradox there. And he's got a really good fastball with solid extension. If you don't know what extension is, it's literally how far a pitcher strides forward when releasing the ball. It's a very easy stat to pick up. If you're taller, your extension's going to be better. And Fujinami, I'm pretty sure, is built like a tree. He's like six. He's six six. So yeah, his extension is going to be pretty good. They think Baltimore... They can up his spin rate a little more, maybe get uh, some wiser choices in his pitching repertoire, um, rather make better decisions, you know, in the moment, and really harness him into a decent, like, sixth or seventh inning guy, because let's be honest, Tom, they don't need front-end guys. Genie Cano and Felix Bautista, I still will proclaim, are the best one-two punch in baseball right now when it comes to bullpens. Mm -hmm. So a solid depth guy like Fujinami, if he can reach that potential the A's signed him out of Japan for, then that's a really good deal. Then next up, we've actually got a couple pieces going to Atlanta, so I'll just rattle them both off here really quick. Uh, from Colorado to Atlanta comes... I'm going to start that sentence over because that sounds weird. Uh, from Colorado to Atlanta comes right-hander Pierce Johnson out of the bullpen, and in return goes Atlanta's 10th-ranked prospect, uh, Victor Vodnik, which is objectively the coolest f***ing name you will hear in this entire episode. Sounds mm -hmm. like he could have been on Team Czechia. And their number 26 prospect, Tanner Gordon, both right-handed pitchers, and Johnson, the former closer of the Colorado Rockies. I think he only closed for a little bit, but the dude's got good stuff. And secondly, they acquired Taylor Hearn from the Texas Rangers, who they actually designated for assignment a little bit ago. And in return, Texas got the greatest baseball player to ever live. The monumental, generation-defining talent of cash considerations. That man has been traded for more times than Octavio Dotel. I, it is amazing to me. <laughs> but no, just a little bit about Pierce Johnson really quick, because I'm going to be honest, I could tell you more about him than I can about Taylor Hearn. And frankly, I think it's better if I don't talk about Taylor Hearn. His results at the major league level have not been great. Uh, but Pierce Johnson, though, he's been okay this year. The Coors effect definitely hit him really hard. His ERA is at six, but his expected ERA is a tick above four. So not pitching in Coors is going to be a godsend for this man. They're not going to expect him to close with Rysel Iglesias holding down that fort, but considering most other reliable arms out of Atlanta's pen right now are lefties in the form of AJ Minter, who is injured but should be coming back, and, uh, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Oh, they have another lefty. Who is it? Let, let's just go with the assumption that I meant Lucas Letke, even though he's not even on the team anymore. Either way, they need another dominant righty out of that pen. Oh, I was thinking of Tyler Matzik, but he's hurt as well. Oh, perfect! Oh, the wait a minute! There we go! Nutsack Matzik! The perfect name to drop on it. I love how we both came to that realization at the <laughs> same time. Tom and I both had a Eureka face, like, in unison. And you have no idea how hard that is to achieve on Discord. Yeah! Either way, Pierce Johnson, a lot of good tools. He's a really good strikeout uh, magnet. He's got a lot of spin on his curveball. He's got an amazing curveball. Fastball's insanely fast. He just gives up a lot of hard contact. 
And then just super quick, and then I'm going to throw it to you, Tom. Taylor Hearn was designated by the Rangers for being really bad. I've heard amazing things about him as a human being. Like, I've honestly, there was a story, I think it was last year, where his sister was a reporter for a local news station down in Texas, because he's from Texas. And she fielded him a question in the postgame presser, and he said something, like, super wholesome about, like, oh, I bet he'd be, like, like real proud of his, uh, his family and his sister or something like that. He seems like a class A human being. I'm very happy that Taylor Hearn is getting a chance on another team. But from a purely statistical standpoint, yeah, I completely understand why Texas would want to get rid of him. No offense, seems like a great guy. But interesting get for uh, the A's, uh, not the A's, the Braves. Maybe they'll <laughs> turn them around, you know, a funky lefty out of the pen. Yeah, I would, pl- I would play the audio. I did find it of Taylor Hearn's sister asking him a question during the postgame. Unfortunately, the clip isn't minute and 45 long, and I really don't feel like uh, recording a minute and 45 into this podcast, given it's already 1126 in the evening. But yeah, Taylor Hearn sucks, unfortunately. He has a 10.29 ERA this year. Uh, For as much as he was a feel-good story at some point last year, yeah, we can see why the Braves designated him for assignment. But, I mean, Cash, you know exactly (laughs) what you can get with Cash if you want to. Come on now, just think a little hard about it. There's so many things you could do with Cash. I'm a sick, psychotic, f***ed up little man. I sure am. That's my uh, fa- that's my favorite blooper of all time. I'm probably forgetting some, but that I, I want to make that my text tone for you. <laughs> so I te- so what would be my call tone then? If you want to make that my text tone, then what do you want for my call tone? Oh, it would be you singing the chorus of Wise Guy, hundred percent. Just the lovely day in the neighborhood. <laughs> I could probably pull that onto here, but I'm not going to because that would take a little bit and I would have to edit that together. And the editor in this program is a piece of shit. But uh, I'll move on from the Taylor Hearn stuff and talk briefly about Pierce Johnson. He sucked in Colorado. Not a big surprise. His away ERA, though, was 4-11. That's actually pretty solid. And he's only given up one home run on the road. He's given up six at home on the year. Yeah, that's not good. So he could actually prove to be worthy um, in the Atlanta bullpen because they've worked magic before in Atlanta as they did winning the World Series in 2021 and they're the best team in baseball right now. So obviously they'll find some use for him. Giving up your number 10 and 16, uh, not 16, 26 prospect overall, maybe that's a high price to pay. But at the end of the day, you're shaping up your uh, bullpen and as cool as the name as Victor Vodnik is and as lame as the name as Tanner Gordon is, they're probably not going to really do much for you in the big leagues anyway, at least in the near future. And that's when they're planning on winning. So that's that. We could talk about Genesis Cabrera, if that's even his name, being traded to the Blue Jays. But again, we don't care that much about it because we didn't write it in the rundown. Tony asked if we want if we wanted to put it in the rundown. I said, hell no. I don't want to talk about the Cardinals, even though we're going to be doing it in our next segment anyway, which, by the way, begins right now. So last week, we did a second half outlook for teams kind of incorporating the trade deadline into things if they're going to be buyers or sellers and whatnot, and kind of just taking an outlook as to how we think they'll fare. Well, now we're going to play the fun game of predictions for the trade deadline, not on teams, even though, of course, they'll be mentioned for specific players and we've got a huge laundry list of guys that we will be going through maybe we won't get to every name but it doesn't matter because not all of them possibly will be traded if at all uh so 
we'll get right into it. Of course, they'll have to land um, somewhere after August 1st um, if they move at all, being that that is the trade deadline. And we're going to start with the elephant in the room that everybody and their mother has been talking about, the son of God himself, Shohei Otani, who is possibly on the move from the Los Angeles Angels. Now, there are plenty of reports out there saying things like the Orioles and the Diamondbacks have inquired about Shohei Otani. That does not mean they will acquire him for two months. No, no. Those are two teams that shouldn't do that, being where they are right now. The Diamondbacks, not as much as the Orioles, as a first-place team in the American League East. Didn't think that I'd be saying that on July 24th. I was hoping I'd say that about the Yankees, but look where we are. The Orioles have such a bright future, and they have many more prospects coming through the system. Why would you give them up for just two months? If you honestly think you can win the World Series this year, that's fine. As far as the Diamondbacks go, there are a few pegs below the Orioles in terms of success at the moment uh, in an easier division, ironically enough. But the only thing they'd have going for them is that they're on the West Coast. The problem they have is, one, they're in the middle of a f***ing desert, and two, it would be unwise because obviously he's not going to sign with you in the offseason as he will do with Baltimore. So those are just two teams that we can rule out. But I think I'm going to rule out every team together, Tony. And then I'll let you speak. Because as much as everybody wants to peg the Yankees are going to get Shohei Otani, that's not going to happen. They could do that, and they do have a good enough haul that they probably could land him, but the team's outlook isn't good enough to actually do that. And then there are three teams that I think realistically could actually make a good enough package for Shohei. One of them he wouldn't go to, which is the Dodgers. And then the other two, the Rays and the Padres. Because those are two teams that are in perfect position to actually do that. And it won't hurt them as much as the Orioles or the Diamondbacks would as they're still trying to build up their team. So, Tom, this is episode 69, right? Oh, it sure is. Which means it is in both of our nature to be f***ing crazy, right? Oh, yeah. Because I'm about ready to say something f***ing crazy. I don't know if I want to outright predict this, but I just want to say this would be hilarious if this happened because you said three teams that could make legitimate packages for Shohei, and I agree with every single one of them. Dodgers, Rays, Padres. Great prospects, great MLB-ready talents stuck in log jams. Like, you package some of them together, give them to the Angels, you get a generational talent for two months. Perfect. Amazing. This doesn't seem likely to me. Because mm-hmm. most mostly because of the geography and because of the state of this team right now. It's not as fruitful as the Dodgers, but it's still pretty good. Tom, earlier today, it came out that the Cincinnati Reds are willing to field offers on Jonathan India. Mm. We're going to talk about him in a minute, but I'm going to kind of, if anything, this is going to kind of lump two and one. I think it would be f***ing insane if the Reds gave the Angels... You know, I'm going to pull up their prospect list right now, because outside of uh, Ellie De La Cruz, who has no doubt graduated by now, um, I want to make sure I'm naming the right guys. Edwin Arroyo. That's the name of the gentleman I forgot in the last episode. Another middle infield prospect who's going to be roadblocked on this team. All right, let's just say the Reds give up Jonathan India, Edwin Arroyo, Cam Collier, who's a pitcher, Chase Petty, and let's go Connor Phillips. That is Jonathan Nadia plus their number two, three, five, and seven prospects to get Shohei Otani. That's literally just the first deal that came to my head. I pulled up their prospect list and I started throwing darts. So that might not be the best deal on the table, but I think that's 
A, crazy enough to work, at least for the Reds, at least, you know, in their mindset. They need a pitcher. There's never, you know, there's never enough lefty bats in the lineup, even though you got guys like Will Benson and uh, TJ Friedel and Joey Votto, you know, not good players, not great at the moment. You get Shohei Otani on there. Mother of God, you'll figure out a way to play him. I'm going to be bold. I really like, in my heart of hearts, I don't think he's going to move. I feel like Artie Moreno is going to be a greedy f screw over the team and favor the ticket revenue, which Shohei is no doubt going to bring, especially in the absence of Mike Trout. But if he were to move, I think it would be insane if he went to the Reds. And I'm going to be honest, Tom, this pick was inspired by talking baseball when I saw that on their graphic. And I said, huh, that's stupid. And then I looked into it. And I'm like, wait, why does this kind of make sense? Because they need a pitcher. And granted, he's not a controllable pitcher. That's really the biggest thing against this from the Reds perspective. From the Angels perspective, it's because Shohei doesn't want to move to the Central, but Sure. He's, being he's being traded. It's not a free agency signing. Uh, I'm going to shut up in a minute. I'm droning on forever. But that's basically where I'm leading with this. I feel like it'd be insane if he went to the Reds. I think it would be hella fun. So I'm just going to throw it out there. But let it be known, I don't expect that to happen. If it does, awesome. If not, can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, my reaction to him going to the Reds would be this. Holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap! <laughs> yes, many holy of craps. <laughs> the holiest of craps. Because I feel they're in the same case as the Orioles and the Diamondbacks. It wouldn't make that much sense. But if you're crazy enough to do it, God bless you. You can try all you want. Uh, but just know, again, he's not signing with the Cincinnati Reds. If they even have the money to afford a $600 million contract, then I want to know why the hell they haven't even been spending money like <laughs> wildfire in any free agency period in this team's history. Well, and that goes without saying. Well, didn't you hear Phil Castellini, man? They're run, they're run like a nonprofit. Or what? What did he say? He said some <laughs> stupid crap about them in the preseason. I, we we haven't uh, on him in a while. I don't know. It just felt like the right time here on episode sixty nine. The way he f the Reds. <laughs> well, eh, <laughs> they're actually doing pretty good now. But I'm not going to give that to Mr. One Phil Castellini because he was f***ing over to fans really hard. The fans. Uh, that's a better way of saying it. Yes. Uh, yes. Very very hard. We'll leave it at that. Uh, my ultimate prediction, I don't believe he's going to be traded. I think that Art Moreno is That's actually right. going to keep him as you laid out. Is Are we in agreement there? In terms of realism, yes. 100% believe he's going to stay. But I think it'd be funny if they traded him to the Reds for all that. <laughs> oh, of course it would be hilarious. It would, it would be the trade of all trades. I'd be like, the Reds, damn, they can actually do that. Uh, but no, realistically, we're both on no correct yeah fair i'll give you that well i mean if you want to make that your prediction then you go for it but just know it will be subject to ridicule later down the line subject to ridicule i'm openly putting it out there it's like oh this would be so cool but you know <laughs> I, I just want to be different man you know for the content it's episode 69 we got to keep people on the hook uh, you gotta keep people satisfied and smiling so screw that's what you're doing for cincinnati reds fans right now <laughs> you know what? screw it that's my prediction there you go I'm glad that that's your prediction. Let's move on to Jonathan. In Let's move on to the rest of the pack before we stay uh, hooked on the drug that is Shohei Otani for that much longer. Let's move into the guy you were bringing up, and that is Jonathan India, the versatile infielder, primarily a second baseman for the Cincinnati Reds. And surprise, surprise, or not really surprised because it's already been announced at the time of this recording, the Reds are actively shopping him which I was a little shocked by, but at the same time, I understand their perspective being that we kind of saw this on repeat 
with the, um, I think it was the Pablo, not the Pablo Lopez trade. It was some trade that went to the Twins last year. I forget who it was for. Jorge uh, Lopez? Jorge Lopez, their reliever. We all thought they're winning. Like, why would you trade somebody? But now it actually makes a little bit of sense. Jonathan India, by the way, hitting 14 home runs and 51 RBIs on the year. Good slash, 251, 338, 411. OPS pluses, 98, which isn't great, but he's got enough work going for him. He'll be all right. The Reds could certainly use him, but they got enough young pieces to where they don't really need him anymore. So it does make sense that they do trade him. But I do think he will be traded. I just got to land on the team that I ultimately believe could use him. I'm kind of looking almost at the Brewers just because they could always use some offense, but I know they wouldn't trade in division. That wouldn't make sense for them unless they got the best package possible from the Brewers. Why the hell would you want him there? I know you're going to face him less because of how MLB schedule works out. You're going to face the teams in division less and less per year, but that doesn't make sense. No team really does that, at least anymore. So I just got to keep looking for a team that could honestly make this trade tone. Do you have any feelers out there for Jonathan India? I mean, based on my my prediction for Otani, I've got him going to the Angels. Um, so I could just say that straight away. But you got to imagine, he goes to a team, like, let's just throw my thing out the window for a second. If they're going to trade him, it's for a young, controllable arm. I honestly feel kind of mm. smart about this because what did I say in the last episode when we were feeling out what the Reds were going to do. I said, if you do anything, get a young controllable arm and then trade one of your many middle infielders to get them. So I'm glad I was right about that. So if anything, Tom, I would look at a team with a lot of pitching depth or like hot shot young pitching prospects, like a lot of pitching, but could need some hitting. I saw a couple people floating the Mets around on Twitter, but then Mm -hmm. I think everyone came to their senses and realized that the Mets pitching depth is David yeah. Peterson. So that's probably not going to happen. Uh, and anyone who said the Yankees, shut the f*** up. Glaber is Jonathan <laughs> India, but he does everything better. Shut up. I think they're the same age, too. I, I don't know if they're the same age or probably there. To be fair, we actually, we don't have Glaber on the list, by the way, for the record. Although we could put him on the list because of how many trade rumors he's been subjected to. And by the way, his value has never been higher at this moment, at least in the past like two or three years. Uh, I guess we could have. I mean, honestly, we could have put a lot more folks. I'm just now realizing I probably should have put Michael Lorenzen on there or a guy oh, like... Oh, yeah, that uh, probably would have been a big one. That would have been a good one, maybe. And Eduardo Rodriguez. Oh, David Bednar just got... I think the Pirates just said they're fielding offers for him, potentially. Mm. For Jonathan India, no. I would say look for a team that's got a lot of pitching depth. Uh, young pitching depth. Okay, that was a throw. Cool. So here's some teams <laughs> that I think could actually work. Um, I'm looking on, I'm just kind of looking at every team. And by the way, I'm kind of basing my predictions, not necessarily on the package that they can offer to them, because as I've said before, I am not a prospect overlord. I don't know every single prospect in major league baseball. I'm just going to kind of give you that knowledgeable fan insight to what I think could be a good fit for a certain organization. There are a few that come to mind. One of them might be crazy to put first, but I'm going to say the Houston Astros. And that's because Jose Altuve has been iffy on his health this year and that middle infield with Jeremy Pena and Mauricio Dubon has been eh all right and we've seen the Astros trade for bats and usually a relatively big name in the past remember they trade for Zach Greinke at one point last year I believe they trade for Trey Mancini at the deadline and also Christian Vasquez as well so they're not afraid to pull the trigger and a trade that would be out of the National League could be preferable for the Cincinnati Reds. If that's the case, uh, maybe you want to throw uh, 
I just had them a second ago. Uh, the Seattle Mariners, possibly in that list too, although they're a little yes. bit iffy on if... I mean, I think they're ultimately going to make the run. They've got enough talent in the pitching. It's really just improving the offense, and that's really what you need um, in that offense because Colton Wong has not been doing it for the Seattle Mariners. If you're looking in the National League, some teams that I could see possibly trading for him are the Marlins, possibly, but ultimately I don't think so, but they do have plenty of pitching. I will say that. And then out west, I kind of like the Dodgers, too, because they have that Miguel Rojas and uh, Miguel Vargas kind of tandem going on. And I guess you could throw Max Muncie in there, too, but he's really a third baseman at this rate. But at any rate, their second base game has been terrible this year. If you just look at those two alone, it's just not been worth it. Like, they can provide the defense, maybe, at least in Rojas's case, but the offense just needs a boost. So ultimately, if you ask me... I, again, I do think he'll be traded, and I'm going to say the Dodgers as my bold prediction for Jonathan India. Fair. They definitely have the wherewithal to get it done. They've got the prospect depth. My only thing with the Dodgers is I think their needs are elsewhere, as is going to be apparent in like a pick or two. I really think the Dodgers are just going to go hard for starting pitching. Um, if they have the desire to shore up their infield, which honestly we both expressed would be a good thing for them to do, if not, if not explicitly their infield, just their hitting in general, another right-handed bat wouldn't hurt. There's someone on this list who I'll mention when we get to him, who I considered for the Dodgers, but then I realized he's a, basically a similar archetype to J.D. Martinez. Jonathan India is basically the anti-J.D. Martinez. He's fast, he's athletic, he's a contact hitter. Uh, not the greatest hitter and not the best defender, but athletic enough to get the job done. And I'm sure the Dodgers can, you know, buff out those scratches in this game. So interesting choice. I'm just going to make this quick and say the Angels because it goes <laughs> with my show eight deal. I, they don't really need a second baseman, but if you're going to get MLB ready players for your generational talent, I mean, hey, might as well. Gio Rochelle is out for the year. I doubt you want to play Mike Moustakis every day. Plus he's 26. God willing, you get some first rounders from the Reds as well, which I'm sure I'm sure you have to at this point. You could draft some more hitters to uh, develop around them, or you can draft a pitcher and maybe actually develop him for once. Uh, wishful thinking, I know. Let's go ahead and move down this list. We've actually got a trio of White Sox to talk about. Uh, first two are going to be from the starting rotation. Number one, Lucas Giolito. Tom, I'm going to defer this one to you just because I'm curious where you think he's going to go. See, I'm kind of still doing my, like, analysis in my head of, do I really think they're going to go? It's like a, does does she love me, does she want me, like, type of thing. Like, the thing people do with, like, they pick their flowers and they throw it. Like, she loves me. She doesn't love me. Or however it goes. I don't know. Loves me not. Yeah, thank you. I'm trying to figure this out. Um, Lucas Giolito, just looking at his contract, he's a free agent next year. He's signed through this year. Uh, he's 29 as well, so I guess if... I, I'm just going to kind of package these three together, by the way, just to speed up the process a little bit okay. between Giolito, Cease, and Jimenez. Ultimately, again, I think the starting pitching is more expendable for the White Sox. I don't think Eloy Jimenez is going to get traded. Honestly, I don't see a whole lot of suitors for a guy who's been very injury-prone in the past. Like, he is very good when he's active, don't get me wrong. I just haven't seen enough of rumors and speculation for him to really be traded. Of course, I can all train in the blink of an eye, but at this rate, if we haven't seen Eloy Jimenez stuff, then I don't really know if he's going to be traded. I have seen Giolito and C stuff, and I will say this, the White Sox, 
probably are going to hold on to one of them. I don't think ultimately they'll give up on both of them because, again, this was team was just a year or two removed from being a not Tony La Russa pain-in-the-ass mess. But they were a Tony La Russa uh, pain-in-the-ass playoff team. And they do have some of the pieces there that they could ultimately try and build on for one last run. At that point, I would say, yeah, throw in the towel. But at any rate, the point I'm trying to get at is Dylan Cease is arbitration eligible through next series of free agent in 2026. He's also 27. I think the White Sox want to hold on to that. He's great at striking out people. He walks a little bit too much and sometimes can be prone to the long ball. But at the end of the day, if you're going to ask me which one's going to stay with the team... I'm going to go with Dylan Cease. I don't think they'll give up both of their top starting pitchers just like that, unless they're going to get a haul in return and ultimately do a great rebuild. But being it's Rick Hahn and uh, the shitty owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, yeah, no. Uh, that leaves me to the question of where do I think Lucas Giolito is going to go? The Dodgers is probably where I'm leaning right now. I'm going to do a little bit more thought into that. Tony, what do you think of this uh, trio? So I'm just going to lay it all out on the table because I knew going into this episode, I this is not going to be a luxury with the remaining players on this list because I'm still very much in the air. But I, I'm pretty sure I have guesses as to where these three are going to go. I'm going to side with you on Eloy. I don't think he moves. I feel like there are suitors for him. Like, I'm not going to lie. I feel like an interesting team for him would be the Blue Jays because they are in desperate need of a consistent righty bat. As good as Vlad can be, he's been kind of hit or miss this year. George Springer, same thing. Boba has been ice cold for a month straight. You need a guy like Eloy on that team. Again, God willing, he stays healthy. He's under team control for another, I think, two years, if memory serves. Yeah, he's a free agent in 2025, so you're going to have him for next year, too. So that would be an interesting move. I don't know if the Blue Jays have the capital to get it done because the White Sox are probably going to ask for a lot, even if in the injury history has depressed his value. All this to say, it would be an interesting landing spot. Don't think he moves. Giolito and Cease, though. My bold prediction is that they're both going to move. Mm. I, let's. I'm just going to be real, Tom. The White Sox should have competed far more. I, I, this goes without saying. Don't get me wrong. The White Sox should have gone to more than one ALDS in the past five years. And Giolito, bare minimum, should be gone. He's a free agent. You're not going to sign him back when he's 30, expecting to win by the time he's 33. So I would ship him off for some nice prospects. And a team that I think would bite on that is the Orioles. I 100% think they would buy in on this. They've got a big need for starting pitching and a ton of young hitters that are considered expendable. You probably won't need to dip into the big ones because it's only a rental. He'll be gone at the end of the year, and I wouldn't, frankly, I wouldn't blame them if they don't sign him back. They've got Grayson Rodriguez, who's going to take a more full-time role next year, at least more so compared to this year. So I think he goes to the Orioles, and Dylan Cease, I'm going to be bold, Tom, because you mentioned the Dodgers for Giolito. They've got the prospect pool to pull Cease. Do I think yes. the White Sox pull the trigger? I don't know, but the Dodgers have the persuasion and the capital to make it happen. To have a pitcher like Cease under control for basically the rest of his prime, that's a necessity for the Dodgers right now because their starting pitching looks very bleak. Julio Urias is very up and down. Clayton Kershaw is still hurt. And who's even left? Like, who's even left right now? I think Mitch Grove, or Michael Grove, started a game today. Emmett Sheehan got shelled the other day. You need another starter. If you're the Dodgers and you want to win the NL this year, you need starting pitching. Go get Dylan Cease. I'm going to be honest, if I'm the White Sox, I'm looking to get rid of him. Because if you keep him, you're not going to compete for the World Series in the next three years. And after three years, you lose Dylan Cease. So... 
capitalize on that potential while his value is still sky high. I don't think they're going to do it because they're the White Sox and they've botched this sort of thing before, but that's where I'm at. Cease to the Dodgers, Giolito to the Orioles, Eloy stays put. I'm glad you mentioned the Orioles because I was actually going to put Giolito possibly going to the Orioles because that would be a great fit, honestly, for him. It would be the perfect kind of package because they don't have to give anything too expendable and too, like, franchise-altering. Of course, that's what the White Sox would hope for. Maybe you do have to throw in one of your better prospects, but you don't have to give up a haul for Lucas Giolito, I feel like. At this point, given his age and given his contract, I think that would be a great deal. Ultimately, though, I'm looking down the list of guys that we've got listed. I know one of these guys, who's actually going to be the next person we talk about, is a starting pitcher who's Mm -hmm. definitely not going to the Dodgers. Otherwise, that team would be insane to trade him to a division rival. Uh, There's another pitcher that I think Eh, they'll, they'll probably field calls about him, or at least inquire, but I'm going to go with the Dodgers for Giolito. They will desperately need starting pitching. That's what they're going for at the deadline, and I do expect them to get them. I feel much more bold about, or not much more bold. I think the Jonathan India thing is more bold, but I do feel much more comfortable pitting Giolito to the Dodgers. Otherwise, I would say the Orioles are a good second-place team in that regard. Moving on, though, we just mentioned the Dodgers and the player I was referring to, which was a division rival is Blake Snell and the San Diego Padres. Blake Snell legitimately has a chance at possibly winning the National League Cy Young this year, and I am not sugarcoating that at all. I will give you his numbers as quickly as it will load on baseball reference for me. Here they are. He's got a 2.9 ERA. He's a got a 6-8 and eight record. If he was had a 6-9 and nine record, that would have been even more nice. He does have a 2.67 ERA, so again, 269. Okay, you get the point. Uh, <laughs> uh, this 267 ERA, by the way, that does lead Major League Baseball, actually, because that is in italics. I thought that was just going to be the National League, but I'm surprised it actually leads baseball, supposedly. His ERA plus definitely leads the National League. I can tell you that. That's a 153. He does lead the league, though, in walks at 59 this year. That's not good. He's got 143 strikeouts, though, to boot. So he is doing very well in his age 30 season. I do mention he is 30. He will be 31 on December 4th. He's got one more year of his five-year $50 million extension. So he's in the boat of the Lucas Giolito. However, I think Blake Snell at this rate is the more reliable pitcher that you can rely on. You'll probably know what you're going to get out of Blake Snell. He's got that Cy Young potential. He's maybe a little bit more healthier than Lucas Giolito. He might get you less strikeout numbers, but he's probably going to be more consistent throughout the stretch. And I know they're shopping Blake Snell. Oh, I just noticed we have a trio of Padres, so you know what? I'm just going to include them in this conversation too. Why the hell not? Josh Hader and Juan Soto were two other names that we wrote down, and I'll get to them in a second, or I'll let Tony take care of them first because I need to think about them for a second. Do I think the Padres are ultimately going to sell? That's the question. And here's why I might be starting to lean a little bit more into the yes. Last week I was a little bit uncertain, at least for the Juan Soto prospect, because you could always sign him in free agency, but your fourth place in the National League West. The Arizona Diamondbacks are a rising team. The San Francisco Giants are that surprising team, and those two teams are each six games ahead of you at 54 and 46, and of course, the Dodgers are your juggernaut coming out of the West, probably as the division winner. The Padres are four games under 500 at 48 and 52. Their chances of an NL wild card, to be completely honest, are looking bleaker by the day. If they do buy at the deadline and they do buy hard, maybe those odds get increased. 
but they've been so streaky this year that you might be better off selling some assets so that way you have a better shot at winning in the future or next year. I guess really at the end of the day, I just got to figure out which of them is going to be traded. I'm just going to say a hard no on Soto, to be honest. He'll definitely get you your best haul. But if you're not confident in signing him, yes, trade him. However, they just gave up that haul last season. I think they'd at least want to go one full calendar year with Juan Soto. So I'm going to say no for Juan Soto. The other two I'm a little bit iffy on. But Tony, I'll let you take the reins. At the risk of sounding samey to the White Sox, I was going to say no to Soto as well. For the exact reason you did. Because honestly, that's something I don't think we talked about last episode, is that they just traded for him. By just traded for him, I mean they did this last trade deadline. I don't know, AJ Preller is not the type of guy to admit defeat just like that. This is in 2015, you didn't just give up CJ Abrams and Robert Hassel and God knows who else to get this generational talent, only to ship that generational talent to, I don't know, the, the Mariners, the Reds, whoever the hell. I don't know. I don't think he'd fold that easily on Soto. He's also your most consistent hitter right now. So I think they keep Soto. I'm going to be a little bold with Snell. I think he moves. It all depends because this is what I keep hearing on Twitter and on MLB.com that the Padres performance will sort of project what they do at the deadline. And the deadline's a week away. The Padres have not been great. They are getting their ass handed to them right now by the Pirates. You heard that right. They're down, what is it? I think it's 8-3 right now. I'm not even kidding. As we speak, 8-4. 8-4. Tatis is up. Let's see what happens because my fantasy team could use a jolt today. I'd like to point out real quickly, the last place Pittsburgh Pirates, at least at the time of this recording, I believe if they win tonight, they'll surpass the Cardinals. What the hell happened to the Pirates? I mean, they're coming back down to earth. We all predicted the Jolly Roger was going to go Titanic on us, but I actually didn't realize it was happening in real time. Please go on. Yeah, no, spoiler alert, none of these players are going to the Pirates. If anything, the Pirates are losing players. But nevertheless, <laughs> Blake Snell, if the Padres keep trending this way, I feel like you got to get rid of Blake Snell. His value is higher than when you traded for him, and he almost led the Rays to the World Series. That's how good he is right now. So I frankly think he would go to a team, obviously, starving for pitching help. And this may be a bit surprising if you've only looked at their record, But Tom, I'm going to say the Rangers bite on Blake Snell. Mm. Why do I think this? Because in their rotation right now is Nathan Eovaldi, solid Cy Young contender right now. You have John Gray, who started the year good, but just today coughed up six runs to the Astros. When you are in a division dead heat with the Astros, that's not good. (laughs) And then you have three hit or misses in Martin Perez, Dane Dunning, and Andrew Heaney. You need consistent pitching, and despite the walks, Blake Snell is very consistent. My only question mark would be whether or not Texas has the draft capital to get it done. I just think the Rangers would be a really interesting landing spot for Snell. They need pitching probably more than a lot of people think, so I'm going to say he goes there. Hayter is a more interesting case, Tom, because I don't know. A A lot of teams need bullpen help, do not get me wrong. I don't know if the Padres are willing to give him up, because their bullpen is already Pretty hit or miss. If you lose Hater, you're done. But for the sake of being different, I'm going to say he might get moved to. Because if you're getting rid of one free agent pitcher, you know, you might as well go get rid of the other one. And this is going to sound kind of interesting, but I just want to... I'm literally on baseball reference right now, just trying to make sure I'm right. Yeah, I'm right. Tom, this is going to sound crazy. The Astros don't have any reliable lefties out of the bullpen. 
Could and you look at what that got them last year? Could you? Eh, fair enough. Could you imagine though? <laughs> If they made a splash to get Josh Hader, I mean, again, much like the Rangers, I don't know if they have the capital to get it done, especially Hader's stock, I imagine it's much higher than Snell's. As good as Snell is, Hader's still like best closer in baseball caliber, but Astros need pitching help, much the same as uh, the Rangers do. Frankly, more starting pitching help, but I'll get to someone who I think they might actually pick up later. I'm just going to be bold. I feel like if they trade off Snell, they're going to trade Hader and might as well trade him to the other Texas team. I feel like the Astros would be an interesting landing spot for Hater. Why the hell not? I'm just kind of uh, going around the league because I have an idea of what I think the Padres will do, but I'm kind of trying to formulate my other picks at the same time to be like, okay, well, if this happens and this happens and this and that, 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 that. Here's what I think. Oh, by the way, I would like to point out, funnily enough, you mentioned Blake Snell going to the Rangers. They're actually playing them right before the trade deadline, two in a three or a four game set. So that should be very interesting if he does get traded to the Rangers. All he's got to do is walk across the uh, diamond (laughs) and he'll be in his uh, new team's dugout. But at any rate, I'm going to be bold. The Padres are only going to be buyers at the deadline. I don't think they're going to sell off so easily. You made the good point about AJ Preller not really putting the uh, word quit in his vocabulary and why would you when you have this roster that you've spent so much money to assemble you added so much in the offseason to me it just doesn't make enough sense for AJ Preller to really kind of nuke it all right away because let's be honest if you get rid of Blake Snell and Josh Hader and say Juan Soto too you're nuking your chances of making the playoffs they made a great run in the playoffs last year they barely got there I'd like to say but even if you just trade Snell or Hader alone you're going to significantly neuter part of your team. And I don't think they ultimately want to do that. So I'm going to say they stay put, and they're not going to sell any of these guys. Which leads me to Heimer Candelario, which fits the bill perfectly for the San Diego Padres. Candelario is a third baseman and first baseman from the Nationals, who they already have a working relationship with, Mike Rizzo, Last year, with that big Juan Soto deal, Heimer Candelario, though, is a cheap player, only making $5 million this year. Probably going to be like, what, 2.5 left on this contract at this rate. If they haven't paid more than that at this rate, I don't know. The Nationals are cheap then. Heimer Candelario, if you didn't know, has 2.9 war this year, 15 home runs and 47 RBIs, kind of like Josh Bell last year. 254, 333, 474, and a 124 OPS+. Again, a third and a first baseman. And guess what? The Padres don't need a third baseman. Jake Cronenworth is their first baseman. And that's not good. Because he's batting 211 this year with an OPS plus of 87. Not somebody you want on a playoff lineup at least starting for you. However, if you look even further, the DH position currently listed on baseball reference as the player who's played the most there is Matt Carpenter. Hitting a crisp 167. Well... Rugnet Odor, I'm pretty sure, got released. Nelson Cruz, I'm pretty sure, got DFA'd. You have Gary Sanchez, but he's going to be catching because Austin Nola, I don't believe, is no longer on the team. And after that, you're looking pretty pretty bleak. So he would fit in perfectly as either that first baseman or most likely a designated hitter, however you want to play it. And he would instantly add that offense to the San Diego Padres that they need. How much would it work out? It's Heimer Candelario. You're kind of shooting the barrel with a gun if you really try and do that. It may or it may not work out for you. But at the best, he's a very consistent hitter who can get on base pretty reliably. At the worst, it's Josh Bell of last year. And you won't be paying nearly as much for Heimer Candelario. So here's my thing 
about Heimer. I, I, I like your point with the Padres, but I really don't know if they'd shift away from Jake Cronenworth. He offers a lot defensively. DH, though. They could use him as a DH. The one team in the American League, actually, that I really think could use a jolt at third base that I think should make a really big push for Candelario is the Minnesota Twins. Mm. Because right now, Tom, let's be real. You and I both forgot the AL Central exists. Because I predominantly think of them as sellers. The White Sox, sellers. The Royals and Tigers, obviously they're selling. The Guardians, you just lost Shane Bieber to the 60-day IL. Who the f*** are you going to buy? So, yeah, that only leaves the Twins. And they themselves are a pretty imperfect team. And I say that largely because of their hitting. Their pitching, as we've said multiple times throughout the year, is great. Their hitting, very hit or miss. Byron Buxton has not been himself this year, neither has Carlos Correa. Their only real bright spots throughout the season have kind of just come and gone. Guys like Alex Kirilov, who thankfully is finding his way on the team now as their full-time first baseman, and uh, Jorge Polanco when he's healthy. The big hole on that roster right now is third base. The gentleman who started third base today for the Minnesota Twins, was Willie Castro, Tigers legend, and he was eventually lifted from the game and replaced with Kyle Farmer. Yet, that does not strike fear into my heart if I am a fan of a rival playing them for a postseason spot. So I think Hammer Candelaria would fit perfectly on the Twins. And Tom, I'm going to be honest, I think we owe this man an apology because we low-key shit on him during the last teams of the month saying, oh, who would draft Jaime Candelario? He's, he's he's bad. He's this, that, the other thing. This guy looks like <laughs> the perfect rental right now. Oh, I mean, the guy is hitting 254, 333, 474, good for a 124 OPS plus, which by the way, barring the 2020 season, is his best season on record. Sorry, Tigers fans. He plays surprisingly good defense over a third as well, and he's a switch hitter. The Twins desperately need that. I'm going to be honest, if the Yankees were competing, I would say Cashman should go out and get him. I honestly think he would fit the Yankees really well. So I think the Twins are a really good fit for him. I think they have the capital to get it done, and it won't cost you a ton just because it's a rental. And if you're the Nationals, of course you should sell him. You're rebuilding. He's not going to be on the team by the time Josiah Gray and James Wood hit their stride. So, yeah. I think him to the Twins makes sense. Now, Tom, it's time to talk about another team because I put two teammates back to back. Those being Cubs teammates, Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger. Bellinger, I believe, is on a one-year prove-it deal. Am I correct in that regard? I know Stroman's on a deal that expires this year. Yes, I believe Bellinger might have a mutual option for next year, but it really is just a one-year prove-it deal. Okay, I thought so. Because... That puts the Cubs in a really interesting position, because the Cubs are not doing too bad right now, if memory serves. Now, granted, they're in the NL Central, so you gotta take that with a grain of salt. But yeah, they're in third place right now, they're only a handful of games under 500, and they've actually won three in a row. But when you look under the hood, there's really a, like, vague outside chance that they'll compete for a wild card spot, and even then you'll have to conquer the Phillies, the Giants, the Reds, the Marlins, in order to even get there. And if you get there, good f- luck playing the Dodgers or the Braves. I know some hit pieces have been written on MLB.com about the Cubs standing pat. I don't think they should blow everything up. I mean, they have a really good core, if I'm being honest. I like the Dansby Swanson signing for now. Uh, Nico Horner looks great long term. Uh, Chris Morrell has looked really good, surprisingly, throughout the year. If anything, you just need some more bullpen help and a decent catcher. But other than that, 
that's where I really think this year could still be transitional. Get Strowman and Bellinger out for some solid pieces in return. I think that's a really good idea, at least with Strowman, because Strowman right now, I feel like his excess goods on the Cubs. He's having a fantastic season. Three war put up on the year, 309 ERA. And Tom, do you remember earlier when I said I'd come back to the Astros because they really needed starting pitching help? Oh, you, yeah, you go for it. I'm going to be honest, I feel like Stroman fits the build of what the Astros are looking for. Frankly, I think it mirrors the move they made for Granke a couple years back, you know, to complement Verlander and Cole, two overpowering, dominant strikeout machines. Granted, Granke knew his way around a strikeout as well, but, you know, you get a more finesse pitcher, a pitch-to-contact type of guy to fill out that three-hole. And right now, the Astros aren't exactly doing great right now with starting pitching. They lost... Urquidy, Lance McCullers, and Luis Garcia long-term. You got Fran Valdez doing great, and Christian Javier, who's pretty good right now. If you get that solid number three, or I would even argue number two guy in Marcus Stroman, you're set for the postseason. They won the World Series with less before. If they get Marcus Stroman, I think they're in a fantastic position to make a run for the World Series. And if they actually get Stroman and Hayter, just full disclosure, running headfirst into this wall because I hate everything. That's my piece about Strowman. I'm going to toss it to you because A, need a minute to think about Bellinger, and B, I've been talking forever. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll start with Cody Bellinger because I have a clear indication and clear mindset of what I think is going to happen with him. And it's exactly the team you just mentioned in the Houston Astros. By the way, I'd like to point out Cody Bellinger is batting 319 this year and has like a really close like walk to strikeout rate. What the hell happened to Cody Bellinger in Chicago? Has he stayed off the munchies? Has he been focusing a little bit more? I don't know, but he's doing incredible in Chicago, and I just want to point that out for the record. The Astros, though, could use a boost in that outfield, and as I mentioned, they're not afraid to go after those big-name guys, and Cody Bellinger might be the biggest name that they can possibly acquire. Maybe a Marcus Stroman, too. They do need some starting pitching, and you can never go wrong adding a bullpen piece, but their bullpen's honestly fine. And they're starting pitching, I think, can get it done. If they want to make a deep playoff run, yeah, maybe you do push for Marcus Stroman. But ultimately, I just, eh, I don't see it in the cards. I will say Cody Bellinger to the Astros. You got Corey Jolks and Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick kind of fighting for that left field, center field spot. Cody Bellinger would be that instant boost. You do have Jordan Alvarez, who will be returning soon. But let's be honest, he'll be the designated hitter because they don't want to risk him anymore by putting him out in the outfield. They need his bat far more than they need his subpar defense they don't have the right field open because that's kyle tucker's unless he god forbid goes down with an injury in that case i would make my fantasy team very very depleted of any sort of offense <laughs> but the point is they can use that boost they do have their young guys there in jolks myers and Chaz, but their offense sorely needs some sort of new face to just kind of give them that spark because they're missing a lot of spark at the moment whether it's been guys like altuve getting hurt or Jordan being out, I just don't know. I'm not afraid of this Houston Astros lineup, and Bregman's doing all right, but again, I'm not afraid of this lineup. A Cody Bellinger would make me a little bit afraid of that lineup, so ultimately, I think he'll wind up in Houston, and of course, they'll be able to give up some pieces too. As far as Stroman goes, yeah, I think he'll probably be traded, which kind of blows my Chicago Cubs going for second place National League uh, Central prediction out of the water, but that's okay. That was kind of going to crap anyway. This is interesting. I've seen the Blue Jays link to him. They have that past connection uh, where Stroman started out his career, but the Blue Jays are doing better in their rotation now as of the past like week or two. I think eh, they could use him, but I don't know if they're really going to give it up. Maybe they go for a bullpen piece, if anything. 
The Twins would be an interesting team because, again, they could look to add. The Rangers, I think, would be very interesting as a case for Marcus Stroman, maybe even the Diamondbacks because we haven't really talked about them at all. <sighs> this is tough. But I'm going to settle on a team that I haven't had buying that is buying at the deadline, and that's the Baltimore Orioles. I think that could be a good spot for him. He knows the American League East, again, through his time with the Toronto Blue Jays. It'll be a tougher division, so his ERA will go from 302 to probably like 330, but that's to be expected. He's also pitching in Baltimore too, and no offense, but pitchers in Baltimore, they're starting pitching. Their ERAs don't really go very well. They're, it's usually not the greatest. So yeah, it'll spike, but again, they have the prospects to get it done, and I don't have them buying anybody at the moment, and they desperately need a starting pitcher. If they want to make a deep run in the playoffs, Marcus Stroman can fit the bill. I'm going to say he's going to go to the Orioles. Okay, fair enough. I like your pick of, I, I mean, I don't like it, I wouldn't like to see it, but Bellinger to the Astros. There's <laughs> a lot of teams that I'm now realizing could use a bat like his, not even just a bat, the defense is still there. It's almost like he never got injured in the first place. You know, he's not a 2019 form, but he's pretty much as close as he's gotten since, which I think is a damn good thing. It's an amazing thing, actually, for his trade value. One team, actually, there were two teams at first that I thought of. One was the Phillies, and then I realized, okay, they've got Harper, they've got Schwarber already. Even though the defense would be very welcome, I doubt they would just say outright no because he's a lefty, but I don't know. I feel like there's another team out there that could use a lefty a little bit more than the Phillies, and they could still use outfield help, and that's the Milwaukee Brewers. A team like them, they've got Christian Yelich. Great. Amazing lefty and a solid outfielder DH type. He's honest. Tom, how funny would that become to think of it? After the MVP race between Yelich and Belly, they become teammates a couple years down the road. <laughs> I I just literally just thought of that as I was speaking into existence. But no, outside of Yelich, they really haven't gotten production from their outfield DH types. I mean, mother of God, baseball reference has their DH as Jesse Winker. That's all you need to know. Mr. One Homer and 23 Ribby Jesse Winker. So if I'm the Brewers, I'm ponying up to get as many offensive weapons as I can to try and stave off the Reds in the NL Central. It shouldn't take a lot to get Bellinger since he is on that one-year deal, even with the mutual option. But the Brewers definitely have the prospect depth to get it done. They don't have a great system, but they have one that's good enough to reel in a fish like Bellinger. And I think he would fit really well into that lineup, you know. Outside of Christian Yelich, there's not really any lefties in sight. There's a couple switch hitters, but Rowdy Telez is injured. I think Blake Perkins is a lefty, but you don't really want to rely on him all too, too much. He's kind of in that good, not great range. I feel like Bellinger would spark that lineup and it would help them move past the Reds. Plus, it would be really funny to see him and Yelich's teammates. That's where I'll go there. And what say, Tom, we jump from one team to what I just realized is now five players from one team in a row. Because <laughs> okay. this... not all those five players are going to be traded. I can guarantee you that. I 100% not all of them are moving. I'm going to be bold on some of them, but I, I feel like a good chunk of them could be on the move. New York Mets. I wrote down five names. I say we just go through some of them and see what we think, because I have teams for three of them right now, and I could just tell you right off the bat. I've got Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, Tommy Pham and Mark Canna, and David Robertson. So bits and pieces from all around the Mets roster that realistically I could see moving. I'm going to go with the back three first, just give my thoughts on where I think they could land. Number one, Tommy Pham, I think he goes to the Mariners. The Mariners are another team that, again, they really, really need a bat. 
And especially from that outfield, Julio Rodriguez has been struggling this year, and their right-handed hitters in general have been kind of hit or miss. And with Jared Kelnick going down for basically the rest of the season, thanks to being a f***ing idiot and kicking a water cooler and also kicking my fantasy team in the nuts with that one, thanks, Jared. I mean, I don't want to, like, crap on the guy too hard. Dude was basically in tears when he was interviewed about it, so I do feel bad for him, but still. Come on, don't don't pull a Devin Williams. Nevertheless, their outfield depth, you know, Julio Rodriguez and Teoscar Hernandez have been good, not great. Jared Kelnick, you can't rely on him anymore. And their DHs have been okay. Mike Ford is good when he can be, but he's a lefty. You might as well have a righty to platoon. And Tommy Pham has been having kind of a surge here in the middle of the season. You might as well strike while the iron is hot. Definitely not going to take a lot to get him. He's, what, like 35? And I'm pretty sure he's on a one-year deal or like a two-year deal, something small like that. Give it a shot, see what happens. There's not really a ton you could lose here, unless you massively overpay, which I hope you don't. Mark Hanna is an interesting piece because he's basically just Tommy Pham without the uh, the pretty big second half here. I might be a bit bold and say he's going to go to the Dodgers. I feel like they've already, like in my scenario, they've already bought on Dylan Cease, so they made their big, big splash. And Mark Hanna, presumably, is not going to cost too much. He's also a free agent at the end of the year. He's around league average, but he's got an above average on base, and he's got decent power, and the Dodgers need all the weapons they can get. He's probably not going to be an everyday starter to the likes of, you know, a Mookie Betts or a, or a James Outman. Or, excuse me, uh, James Outman could be a guy he replaces. I more so meant J.D. Martinez. But, you know, he could platoon with David Peralta and be on the bench there with Jason Hayward. He's not going to be the best bat in the world, but he's a decent depth guy, you know? Last but not least, David Robertson. I think this one, to me, is such an easy fit. If he goes to the Diamondbacks, then their bullpen is set. They've got so many guys in there that fit the mold of a good 7th inning guy, a good 8th inning guy, a good lefty specialist. You know, Scott McGough, Andrew Chafin, uh, Miguel Castro. No closers. David Robertson has experience closing, has been very, very efficient for the Mets when utilized properly. I think he could be a perfect fit for this Arizona team that's lacking a leader in that bullpen. And if they get that, I'm going to be honest, Tom, that pitching staff low-key scares me. Starters will see, but the bullpen is deadly. I'm going to throw it to you before I talk about the two big names, because, again, been talking forever. Well, you suck. I was going to say Robertson to the Diamondbacks. That oh, was going to be my pick. Because <laughs> they do need a bullpen piece. I'm going to have to be different now. I can't say Robertson to the Diamondbacks. You beat me to the punch. I'll have to think about that one. Tommy Pham and Mark Hanna, though, I can kind of give you what I think at this current moment. I'll start with Mark Hanna. I'm going to go bold, and I'm going to say maybe the Giants are going to be a suitor because Mark Hanna you're just kind of looking for as that depth in that outfield. Not a guy who you can necessarily rely on the start, and the Giants could use another bat or so. And again, they have that business relationship with the Mets. It worked out a whole whole hell of a lot better for the Giants last season, but who says the Mets don't want to go for seconds and maybe try and make up a little bit from that terrible, terrible deal they made for Darren Ruff last year. But <laughs> I'll go with the Mark Hanna to the Giants. That one I could see happening. Tommy Pham is an interesting case of what team needs an outfielder. And initially, I was thinking the Padres, possibly, but he already has that relationship with the Padres. And it went all right, if I remember correctly, but it wasn't anything spectacular. So I'm not necessarily keen on the Padres there. 
Rangers are an interesting one, but I think they'll ultimately be fine. Um, the Mariners are very good, but again, I'm not going to choose the same team that you chose you. The Marlins could use a bat, but ultimately, I don't know if they'll honestly go for one. I'm going to go with the Twins. Why not? That's one of the teams that I think could use a boost offensively, and Tommy Pham could fit that bill. He's a guy, again, who's not going to cost you a lot of prospects. Definitely, you'll get more than Marcana, hopefully, but he'll be good enough for the Minnesota Twins. It'll be cheap enough for them as well, and it'll give them a nice little piece going into the second half of, or the last two months, I should say, of the regular season. We're already in the second half. Uh, David Robertson. Ugh. You kind of got me stumped on this one, you asshole. (laughs) I could give you a team. You could give me a team. I originally had him going somewhere else, but I switched him with a pitcher later on down the list. (laughs) You could, and there's two teams that I'm looking at right now. To be honest, I can feel pretty comfortable saying. Again, my first pick would be the Diamondbacks, but I'm going to have to go with my backup picks here. I'm going to say either the Astros or the Rangers. The Rangers just added a Roldish Chapman, but you can always get better. The Houston Astros, though, are a team that, again, will add on to their strengths already. It's something that we've seen them do, and it's worked out well for them. Do they necessarily need another right-hander out of the bullpen? No, but it would give them a hell of a bullpen. But ultimately, I'm going to go with the Rangers here. All right. Uh, Spoiler alert, that's the team I was going to give you, so... Oh, well, how about that? Nicely done. <laughs> or I, I guess we could say on this this episode, nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, but before I echo that again, uh, the question of Verlander and Scherzer, gonna hit this really quick, don't think Verlander moves. I feel like kind of the same thing with Juan Soto. He just got there, and you don't want to give up on a guy, you know, first year. I feel like Billy Epler's got too much pride to sort of admit defeat that quickly. Forget about Cohen. He'd probably have even more. Scherzer, though, I've got an interesting proposition. I'm interested. Tom, could you imagine the shockwaves that would go through baseball? Exactly. Could imagine. Think back. Wait, no, think back. This is actually <laughs> going to work perfectly. You just, just wait a second. Imagine... Oh, you're going to go with the Angels, then? No. The Diamondbacks. Imagine if Arizona struck a deal, because you remember, Max Scherzer started his career. (laughs) Imagine if they bartered a deal to get Robertson and Scherzer from the Mets. It would be big. Mm. Don't get me wrong. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But I feel like if they were to get rid of one of them, number one, it would be Scherzer, because he's technically a free agent after this year, but he's also got a player option, which, let's be real, the guy's 40-something. He's going to take it. If they package him and Robertson for some solid prospects like even if Scherzer's having a down year you got to imagine he'd demand a pretty heavy penny maybe get like a Blake Walston from them maybe a Landon Sims or an Yvonne Melendez I doubt you get a Jordan Lawler or Drew Jones I feel like that's asking way too much for guys who are basically rentals like even some of the guys I mentioned were a little high Blake Walston is their fifth ranked prospect honestly if the Mets go for a guy like Yu Min Lin that's one of their pitching prospects Kid has nasty stuff. I don't know a ton about the Diamondbacks prospect system, even though it may sound like I do. I've just seen pitching ninja videos of Yu Min Lin, and the kid looks insane. Like a Chris Sale, funky lefty type, throws real hard and, you know, great potential. If the Mets get him, solid get. But I might be bold. 
if the Diamondbacks get Robertson, they're going to try for a big, big splash deal and get uh, Scherzer with it. Do I think it's a Shohei situation? Do I think it's going to happen? No. But is it going to be fun to predict? Sure. Why not? Well, that is very bold of you. And I'm happy that you're very bold. But uh, you're wrong. I don't think either him or Verlander are going to get traded simply because... Thanks for playing the grasshopper. Uh, Simply because of the money issue. If the Mets are willing to stomach both of their contracts, God bless them. Then maybe they can actually get a decent return and whatnot. But ultimately... I mean, Scherzer's probably more expendable because I think his contract, does it expire after this year, Tony? Technically, yes. I said earlier, he's got a player option for next year, and he's Mm -hmm. probably going to take it. Yeah, he probably would. He'd be stupid if he didn't. He'd be passing up on a lot of moolah. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think the Mets are going to trade him because it's going to be too difficult to find a partner. And again, you're not going to get a good enough return for what you signed up for. So I just don't see it happening. I like you being bold. I gotta put the brakes on it. I I could look really stupid. And if he does go to the Diamondbacks with Robertson, then you're a f- godsend, my friend. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you're not going to be a godsend. And maybe next week I'll give you one of these. I keep hearing just the first note of it. <laughs> so it's just on my end. It sounded like I'll give you one of these. Huh. Then that's it. <laughs> so I I don't know what to say to that. Uh, maybe, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't something that you would very like it's a fail sound effect maybe this one will work let's try the mario one did you hear that not at all it's okay i've got another one that's you play that it, that i i can already see it's not working no that one actually worked that one, that one worked in full probably because i was talking over it and for whatever reason that's the magic key to all of this no honestly it only plays when you're talking it's so dumb Oh my god, either way, let's move on to the next, uh, actually yes, the please. last team, because we got the St. Louis Cardinals, we've got, you know what, I'm gonna, if you want to talk about them, you can, because I, I forgot Jack Flaherty, I was gonna write him down. Um, oh, that's a good one. For the time being, yeah, screw it, let's put down Jack Flaherty. So what we've got for St. Louis is a pair of outfielders, got Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill. I'm gonna write him in right now, the aforementioned Jack Flaherty, and Jordan Hicks kind of a Mets situation, couple hitters, a starter, and a reliever. I'm going to do the same thing as the Mets and tackle the ones I know right out of the gate because, frankly, I've got some interesting landing spots for some of these guys, and Jordan Hicks, to me, makes the most sense. I think, in my scenario, he goes to the Rangers. In Tom's scenario, David Robertson went to the Rangers, and I like your Mm -hmm. argument. They got Chapman. You might as well keep getting better because the two best relievers in that Rangers pen are lefties. It's Chapman and it's Will Smith. They've got good righties, but they're either hurt or inconsistent. And you need a guy like Jordan Hicks, who has really stepped up in the absence of Ryan Helsley, to right the ship, so to speak, of St. Louis's bullpen. <laughs> Granted, he had that one marvelous little highlight where he threw the ball in Miami 70 feet to the left of the first baseman. So, okay, that's probably that probably hurt his trade stock a little bit. But if anything, that's probably a good thing for the Rangers. You probably get him at a discount. Uh, but yeah. Josh Spords is hurt. Jonathan Hernandez, I don't think, is on the Major League roster right now. So you want to be able to have that righty in here that you can rely on. Getting Jordan Hicks just makes sense. I'm going to jump to Tyler O'Neill next because I've got an interesting landing spot for him. I literally just want to make sure that 
it's not going to create a log jam because if this doesn't, then I think this is perfect. Uh, actually, kind of does. Uh, actually, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to make it anyway because one individual just made a pretty stark position change. I feel like it'd be really interesting if Tyler O'Neill went to the Phillies. I say that because what this team has been lacking on offense this year is consistent production out of their righties. Nick Castellanos has been fine. JT Romuto has been okay. He's kind of lost his role as top catcher in baseball this year. Top defensive, maybe, but offensive. He's being lapped by guys like Jonah Heim and Adley Rutschman. You need a righty like Tyler O'Neill to kind of right that ship. He's not been uh, on the field a whole lot the past two seasons. He only played 96 games last year, and he's played 33 games this year, so it's going to be a big gamble for... Uh, for Philly to take him on and pray that he's going to be healthy. And hell, he's still going to be eligible for arbitration next year. That's how young he is. So it probably might cost a bit to get him. But if you get that guy in the outfield who can patrol it like a gazelle with Brandon Marsh, because let's be real, if you're able to relegate Kyle Schwarber or Nick Castellanos to DH full-time and then keep your Bryce Harper experiment at first base going, then I think that wouldn't be too bad of a deal for the Phillies. Again, a little worried it would create a logjam, but outfield defense for the Phillies has been a problem for some time now. They need a more consistent righty, and if Tyler O'Neill can get hot the same way he did, I think it was two years ago, then that's a deadly as shit lineup. I mean, JT Romito would probably be hitting sixth. That's ridiculous. If you get him, cool. If not, it's probably because of a logjam. I think it would just be a really interesting fit. Cool. So, so I'll start with this with the Cardinals' thoughts. Tyler O'Neill, too injury prone. I don't think a team would make any sense kind of getting on him. I think he's going to stay. Okay. Dylan Carlson, on the other hand, that's a whole different story. Teams could use his offensive services. Teams might try and sap that potential out of him. And there are some teams that could use some offense. Dylan Carlson, again, I think he's hitting about 240 this year. He's on base is actually pretty solid if you look at it. But a team that lost an outfielder is the Seattle Mariners. And that's where I'm going to put Dylan Carlson going. Mm is the Seattle Mariners. They could use that outfielder again with Jared Kelnick kicking that water cooler. Uh, hope there was some ice in that water cooler for his broken foot, by the way. That would be very nice and convenient for him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they could use him. They'll definitely have enough to uh, export so that way the Cardinals can import some prospects and the Mariners can import Dylan Carlson. So I'll give the Mariners that. Again, Tyler O'Neill. I'm going to say no-go. Since you touched on Jordan Hicks, I will also make a pick on Jordan Hicks as well. And I'm almost intrigued to put him on the Baltimore Orioles just because of that insane bullpen you'd have with Yenier Cano, Felix Bautista, and then just the sheer stuff that Jordan Hicks could bring. Like, I know Jordan Hicks is not a top reliever in Major League Baseball. He's a overrated one, probably, but his stuff would be incredible just to match up with theirs. Uh, but... I'm not going to pick the Orioles ultimately for Jordan Hicks. I do think he does get traded. And you know what? I don't have the Diamondbacks taking anyone out of the bullpen, I don't think. Yeah, I'm going to say he's going to go to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Why not? I was going to put David Robertson there, but somebody stole my sunshine with that. So I'm going to say Jordan uh -huh. Hicks. And you know what? I'm going to put in a package deal. Because not only will they get Jordan Hicks... For whatever reason, I'm going to say they're going to get Jordan Montgomery 
as well. Take both Jordans off their hand. The Diamondbacks could use a left-handed person in their starting rotation, a power lefty that can uh, lead them. They definitely need another starter if they're serious about competing. And why the hell not? I'm just throwing in the Diamondbacks out there because, again, I, I, I keep saying why the hell not, but that's honestly my honest strategy between this why the hell not. As far as Jack Flaherty goes, that's a more interesting case. I got to look into this one a little bit more. Uh, do you have any suitors you think, Tony? For Jack Flaherty, I'm going to be honest, for both of these pitchers, actually, for him and Jordan Montgomery, I actually didn't know he was talked about in trades at all, but no, he's a free agent at the end of the year, and he's been okay, which, frankly, for the Cardinals is kind of a miracle. I'm going to be honest, a team that could use a pitcher like Flaherty or Montgomery, I'm going to go with the Giants, simply because outside of Logan Webb, sorry, I just had them pulled up and I clicked away to go look at Jordan Montgomery, <laughs> I will have precise numbers in just a minute. Outside of Logan Webb, the starting pitching staff is kind of hit or miss. Alex Cobb came back from injury and got absolutely shrecked in his first start, or it might have been his second start. And outside of him, like that, that doesn't change much. Cobb is still doing pretty good on the year. He's also 35. The rest of the pitching staff, Anthony DiSclafani has been moved to a bulk relief role. That's how bad he's been recently. Alex Wood is just kind of not it. I don't know. He has a 5 ERA, basically, and Ross Stripling has an ERA over 5. So if the Giants want this magic to keep going, I know you gave them one of the outfielders earlier. They need pitching, too. It can't just be the Logan Webb show. And I'm going to say... Uh, which one? I, I doubt they land both. I don't think they're going to be able to land both. I think of the two, Flaherty or Montgomery, I feel like Montgomery fits there a little better because they at least have two good righties in Cobb and Webb. <laughs> Cobb Webb! <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! God. Oh, I'm going to trade for both of them in fantasy now. I'm, and I'm going to need my team Cobb Webb. You didn't hear it, but I very delayed played Badumtis. <laughs> I brought, I totally meant it. I I didn't just hear that the second I said it. I meant that. You oh, know sure it. you did. <laughs> Either way, they've got two good righties. Might as well get a really good lefty in there with Jordan Montgomery. I, I'm going to say he goes to the Giants and Flaherty stays because Moses Lack doesn't want to trade more pieces because why not? Ah, Jesus. I'm That completely took me out of the mood. It was your cobweb joke. I'm just going to get on <laughs> with it and say Jack Flaherty, so Texas Rangers. Why the hell not? They could, use, <laughs> they could use another starter. It's not necessary. Why the hell not? I haven't given them a starter yet. I'll give them a starter now. And that's going to do it for our trade deadline discussion. I'm not going to go into it any further because that joke took me out of the segment altogether. <laughs> So, a lot of the guys that we went through, obviously not every name that's going to be on the trade market. And again, some of these guys, maybe most of them, do get moved or not get moved. That's just the fun of doing predictions. And with that, that's what we had to talk about today, folks. Episode 69. Hope it was as nice and seductive as we've made it out to be ever since episode 1, when we were like, <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen at episode 69. Kind of like little... uh. I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> I, I thought you were thinking of like a word. I'm like, where are you going with this? I, I was trying to think of a word, but it, nothing came <laughs> to mind, unfortunately. My mind went blank. Or as I once said, my blind went blank earlier on this podcast. Not today, 
a while, while back, like episode six we're talking about. Uh, was this episode uh, sensual enough for you, Tony, this episode 69? Or did you have anything else that you wanted mm-hmm. to lay out there for all the people, lift it up and show it to them? See, I would like to do, th- oh my God, but I, I would like to do that. But I've got one more question for you, Tom. Just Oh, please. Just one more. I really do. So with all this trade talk, with all these talks about players moving and prospects shifting and the courses of teams, fortunes being shifted, I have one question for you. With all our mm-hmm. predictions, my predictions and yours, would you hit that? <laughs> oh, you're calling it back to batter's box, and I love that, Tony. <laughs> I'd love to hit that. I'd hit that so hard. I'd hit it every single moment of every single day to give me all the satisfaction I could possibly need in a lifetime. I would hit it so effing hard. Thank you all for listening. No. <laughs> oh, thank you for the thank you for this bountiful harvest of bloopers. Oh my god, I'm going to call Jesse right now. At almost one in the morning, just so he could say that into the microphone. Yeah, a nice quickie but goodie phone call with him. I was going to say that, god damn it! <laughs> I stole your suck. thunder, get f- <laughs> uh-huh, That's fine, I still got David Robertson to the D-backs. Uh-huh. Probably not happening. <laughs> and you also said this. Do you wish sex? Yeah, I've got that blue perceived. Yeah, that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> yeah, I, I also said it too. Hello, do you wish sex? Yeah, I said that too. <laughs> to be fair, that was an amazing story. I don't even know if we told that on the show. Oh, we no. didn't. That was a pre-episode thing that I don't think we, uh... I don't know if we wanted to put that out there, but it's out there now. We're showing it to you. Yeah, it's fine. We're showing it to you. <laughs> spread episode, Eagle. We're showing episode, it Spread Eagle. This episode takes place in Missouri, the Show Me State. <laughs> there you go. I'm making up for all the sensual st- stuff I didn't say earlier in the episode, because full disclosure, I didn't have an outro ready so this is my outro is it i don't know this is a really elongated outro it's not my outro i'm i have a real outro i'm gonna start it soon but (laughs) but before i cut you off of any other sensual innuendos do you have anything else you want to say to the lovely listeners who are totally not disturbed (laughs) at the point (laughs) listen if you've listened to this point somehow then you can't be disturbed you're just as sick psychotic and (laughs) up as i am on a daily basis i'm sorry yeah <laughs> but uh I, th- I think we've real. gotten now i think we've gotten all got oh wow now i can't even speak i think we've <laughs> got all the sex puns out of our system it's been episode 69 it's been real and who knows when we'll be able to do this again just an episode full of debauchery as much as we've gone into this episode but also had fun talking about the trade deadline too it's always fun to predict that type of stuff Absolutely. Guess we'll have to wait till episode 169 to bring this lovely, lovely, tasty little theme back. I don't know why that was the adjective I used, but you know what? That's my last sexual innuendo of the episode. We're going to leave it at that. Wow, really going on on a high note, huh? Nevertheless, if you've made it to the end, I'm sorry. And also, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to episode 69 of the Diamond Duo podcast. Go follow us on social media at Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter. Sorry, X. X, of course. I, I did the Deadpool thing, which you can't even see because it's a, not a visual medium. At Diamond Duo Pod on Twitter, the Diamond Duo Podcast on Instagram. Tom's making sounds that I can't hear. You know, it's 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 like a disgusting mirror image of the last episode. Except it can't. I can't hear it, so it doesn't matter. Thank you again so much for listening. 
please enjoy the coming trade deadline. We'll see y'all again next week. Have a good one. Talk to y'all then.